Welcome to Signs of Life, Exploring Survival of Consciousness, brought to you by Forever Family Foundation, on the web at foreverfamilyfoundation.org. I call your name, the echo is haunting, the echo is always the same. I call your name, the echo is haunting, an echo can never be changed, so I call your Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. How are you? Welcome to Signs of Life Radio Medium Insights Hour. It's part of the manual, many valuable services provided by Forever Family Foundations. Um, this show, we get to explore the mindsets of many accomplished and spiritual mediums on a variety of topics related to consciousness, spirituality, and the afterlife. My name is Roman Karbishka, and I am your host tonight, and I have the honor and privilege of conversing with an amazingly gifted medium by the name of Catherine Nadal, Kathy Nadal. Kathy is a certified medium with the Forever Family Foundation, and her gift of spiritual communication has been with her since she was nine. She's a psychic medium and a clairvoyant and is trained, she's also trained at the esteemed Arthur, Arthur Finley School in Stansted, England. She also leads guided meditations, which helps students utilize their gifts and develop their hidden psychic abilities. She's the author of Seeing More Than Clouds in Your Coffee, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, stories of a psychic medium in New York City. And her website is dreamcentralstation.com, no spaces, dreamcentralstation.com. So ladies and gentlemen, as always, our show is commercial free, no interruptions, Sit back, put your feet up, curl up with a nice blanket, pet or loved one, have a drink on us, and let us stimulate your intellect for the next hour or so. And of course, please note that tonight's show, as always, is for research and informational purposes only. So your questions are more than welcome, but please keep in mind that Kathy is not going to be performing any readings tonight. So what we've been doing, and if it ain't broke, we ain't fixing it, we're... Uh, we're posing questions that you, the Forever Family members and Signs of Life radio listeners, have been coming up with. It's been pretty successful, and so we decided to keep that format going. And as always, uh, if you have any questions for our esteemed guest, please feel free to call 1 888 627 6008. That's 888 627 6008. So, yeah, um, Kathy. Um, Welcome to to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me on tonight. <clears throat> Your voice sounds like my voice. We would be both <laughs> scratchy voices. You know I what? Know. I put the pollen in the air or something. It's so, yeah. the summer. The summer allergies, I think, have uh, caught up with me. Uh, me too, sister. Me too. You know, the last time we spoke, I think you had the same thing because it, it was also in the summer. The last time we spoke was July of 2020. Can you believe it? I know. Time flies. Oh, sure does. Absolutely. So, yeah, welcome back. Thank and, you. Um, since it's been two years, like, since we last spoke, remind, remind our audience about your past and how you became the person you are today, how you developed everything. So it's, yeah, it's a pleasure to be part of the Forever Family Foundation. Mm -hmm. They're a wonderful organization. I've been with them since 2013. 
And um, I've actually noticed my psychic ability since I was nine. Um, my book captures a lot of it, um, but my second book that's going to be coming out captures kind of how I've been able to live uh, having the ability, and that should be out in the fall. But as a very little girl, I spent a lot of time with my father, and he would take me fishing, and I happened to be fishing with him one day, and he was teaching me how to go crabbing. And I heard, because I'm clairaudient, I heard, pick it up, pick it up. And, and that voice was instructing me to kind of pull up that, pull up that line that was connected to where the crab net would be. Mm-hmm. And be, behind my dad's back, who was 6'2", you know, in height, and I started to pull it up. And he turned around like any other dad would say, Catherine, you know, I told you not to touch it, you know. And I just pulled it up real quick. And the biggest blue crabs were in there. And all these little boys on the on the dock that day came running over. You know, I felt like the hero, you know. <laughs> and it was that moment in my mind, I said, I have to pay attention to that. It, it wasn't scary as a child. It was like a guiding force. Mm. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting. And after that experience, I had a lot of kind of precognitive dreams. And I started to become very much aware of what was being shown to me in my dreams. And I, I grew up in a stressful home. My mother was a very bad alcoholic. And um, my dreams were kind of playing out, you know, upcoming events and such. And I started to reveal some of this to my dad, who was a very strict Roman Catholic. And he automatically kind of said, don't do that. You know, don't tell me that. Don't do that. You know, so it wasn't really a welcoming feeling that, you know, he didn't want to know about it. However, fast forward into his later years in life, he had trouble sleeping as he started getting older and dealing with medical conditions. He'd listen to Coast to Coast. And he'd oh, that's a great to, show. Oh, yeah. He'd listen to George Norrie and Art Bell. Yeah. And then I'd take him to church on Sundays. And after church, we'd go to the diner. And he'd say, you know, I was listening about the UFOs. And I was listening about this medium. And it was amazing because he was so open in his later years. And, you know, he read my book. And he was. it was really kind of gratifying to know that he had moved on from his kind of being so strict and kind of narrow about, you know, the other side, about belief systems, right. about, you know. Is he still on this side of the grass? No. Uh, so he passed away in 2016. Okay. And um, he, um, he really started, like, he struggled with his health. But the last couple of years, I would have to say, kind of around the time my book came out, Mm-hmm. Like in 2013, he said, I'll read it. And I like almost collapsed because this is someone that I, I didn't expect to be open to it. And he read it. And after he passed away, I was going through his things and I was finding envelopes with notes from George Norrie's show. And I was looking up the names and they were names of mediums and shamans. And he must have been trying to keep up, you know, with the show because it happens in the middle of the night, you know. So he probably, you know, started to scribble that stuff down 
so that in the morning he would remember who was on the show that night. So he was aware that I had gone to Salem and I worked for about probably eight or nine uh, Octobers. And I worked with Christian Day and Lori Bruno and a lot of the witches, witches and warlocks in Salem. And he was aware of that. And, you know, he found it very entertaining and he found it very interesting. And he liked the idea that people that loved Halloween had a place to go because Salem, Massachusetts is actually the Halloween capital of the world. And my experience with my dad was that I was able to see someone that could change, you know, and, and I realized that people do have the ability to change. And a lot of the change has to do through their love. You know, my dad loved me so much that if I was choosing to live a certain way or do certain things in my life, my dad wasn't going to step to the side. My dad was going to, you know, educate himself and get to know why I was interested in these things. And it was through his love that showed me a lot of the support. You know, when I went to England and went to Arthur Finley, I said, Dad, I'm, you know, I'm nervous. I'm going somewhere overseas and not with the military because I had been in the military for many, many years. And he said, yeah, but you're going for fun now. You know, so he was really it was he was an interesting dad and he was an interesting man. Well, that's good that you had that support. Hey, you know what? We have a caller. Oh, great. Yeah. So we got John from Washington, D.C. on line one. John, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you. My first time calling in or or even listening. So I listened to one of your shows uh, uh, from a couple of weeks ago, but uh, this is the first time calling in. Oh, fantastic. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you. So I'm calling on behalf of my sister. My sister back in February lost her daughter who was 28 years old. Uh, You know, it was a totally unexpected and uh, I'm actually calling on behalf of her. She had a question, and I have a sort of related question uh, that I wanted to ask as well. So uh, the background is, you know, she had, uh, um, she had an extremely close relationship with her daughter, who actually, um, you know, they were, there's probably hardly a, a day went by in, in her daughter's entire life that they were not together. And for the past 10 years, and especially during the pandemic, they were together all the time. And this came as a total, you know, shock to her. And she's, in fact, still in shock. She couldn't call in, but she, she's been going to bed very early. So she will listen to the, uh, your answer, I mean, when, when it's put up on – I know you put these shows up on the Internet yeah. uh, after mm-hmm. they're recorded. Yeah, podcasts. But she will listen yeah. to that. So, but, but uh, I mean, her, we, listen, we watched the show on Netflix and got some idea – I mean, we were very impressed with what you're doing and what you what you know what uh, your foundation is doing and the retreats that you hold and everything. Um, but uh, you know, her real, her question is actually, I mean, she saw uh, you know what Bob Ginsburg his experience with uh, you know um, she with wanted his daughter. to know what mm-hmm. to do. She's still in a state of shock right now, but uh, it's yep. just been a few months. How can she begin to develop the ability, you know, to ask questions and get responses from her daughter, you know, through a kind of direct interrelationship, 
just you know the, in a way the way that, that Bob did and the way it was depicted on on the on the show. Now my my question is somewhat different because you know in the past I have been uh, I have I've gone to these silent retreats you know where we'd go for a week and basically meditate together. And that was a very intense experience. And I always thought that, well, you know, if I was going to contact someone on the other side, that's the way I think it would happen for me because, you know, you're, you're free of all these distractions and you're sort of tuned into, you know, the other world, really, um, when you meditate that intensively. But that's not something most people do, and my sister certainly hasn't done it. But when she saw the retreats that you do uh, at the foundation, you know, she was say, well, that's the sort of thing I could relate to, and that's the kind of retreat that I think might help and, you know, would help me to process this experience. But, uh, but I, you know, what you do, I mean, your space is limited, you know, your retreats fill up very quickly. Are there any other groups that sort of have a similar focus to what, you, you know, the retreats that you do or maybe do retreats themselves? And have you, ever, have you given any thought to sort of helping other groups to get started, who might want to emulate sort of the kind of way that you do things. So I don't know if, if this has already happened or not, or whether you're already in, in touch with, or people are meeting informally. I mean, are there any other groups that, you know, meet mm -hmm. on an informal basis, either in person or on the Internet, you know, where she could perhaps join and participate and share experiences with these? How would somebody go about finding you know, a group like that and getting involved with a group like, if, they, if it even exists. But her main question was she wants to, she misses her daughter so much, obviously. They were together all the time. And it's kind of surprising to her that she didn't, you know, because they were so close, she hasn't heard anything. And that's kind of very hard for her. And anyway, this is, this is the question. She will listen in to whatever you say. But okay. this is the question that she had in my question as well. Well, uh, Kathy, there's a lot to disassemble there. <laughs> there is. I know. Thank you. Thank you, John, for calling in. And, yeah, thank you. And and my stay thought, yeah, my thoughts to you and your sister. Me too. I'm, gonna, I'm going to um, kind of, you have a lot of questions in two questions. So I'm going to address your question first. I, I think it's wonderful okay. that, that you have been part of meditation sessions in the past. And that piece of it, I always tell the, the clients that I work with, is one of the biggest steps in communicating with those that are on the other side is to quiet your mind. So what I do right. before every session is I do a meditation. And I've been meditating for several years. Now, everyone meditates very differently. And if you've never meditated before, it's very hard to block the distraction. So some clients do very well with an audio meditation. Guided. Some clients do very well with a visual meditation. And there's a lot available on YouTube. You can connect with any of those. Now, with you, for the fact that you've gone to meditations before and you understand that piece of it, I would say for you, continue to stay with that. The more meditation you do, the more open you become. And then you have to start paying attention to your dreams. Now, I have some clients that say, I've never dreamed, or I don't remember my dreams, or I think I saw this, but I'm not sure. Other people can actually retell a dream like they saw a movie. 
So you have to become comfortable with what level you're dreaming at. And the more meditation that you do, the more open you, your third eye becomes and the more you might see in your dream. So I always tell people that start a meditation process, pay attention to your dreams and start writing your dreams down. Now, when okay. I move to the question that is addressed for your sister, I understand that. And I understand that they were together very closely. And that bond was so strong here in life that that bond makes the grief that much more difficult for them. Okay. And that's the piece of it. And when I tell all my clients, especially if it's a sudden death, that is one of the most difficult deaths to go through because it is unexpected. It does come without warning and it's a shock to the system. Okay. So she's not just dealing with grief. She's dealing with the sudden death and dealing with grief. Okay. The biggest thing that I tell the clients is she has to lovingly accept everything that's happening. Okay. And in that process, some clients want to see a sign right away, but they don't know what the sign is. And the process is sometimes it's hard to see anything, just like she says to you, I don't see anything. It's because she's, she's still in the grief. Okay. And that piece of it mm -hmm. is hard and there's no timeline. I want her to understand that there's no timeline on grief. It's, it's not going to be over in a day. It's not going to be over in a week. It's not going to be over in 10 years. Some people have grief and it's, it's a lifelong process because they will always miss that person. And that person has a piece of their heart always. So, so that is, that's the process. She has to go through what helps her in her process. No one can tell her this is the best thing or you need to do this. Because it's her personal experience, okay? One thing that I do find very helpful is if you read Bob's book, Bob Ginsburg's book, he talks about the mediums. He talks about how in the Forever Family that we're tested on our evidence of the afterlife. And that's truly what is the key to Forever Family is because we do bring through evidence of their life that makes it very unique and individual to their life. And that's, you know, that's really the key um, to our readings that make our readings very, very di different. Okay. And this process mm -hmm. is not an easy process. And sitting with a medium is not the answer. There's a lot of clients that need to have a lot of things in their life. They may need to have some therapy. They need to have some family. They need to have, you know, maybe a gallery session. Um, there's a lot of people that hold gallery sessions where there's a medium standing in front. Maybe they need to go to a, a conference like Forever Family that has a grief weekend where there's the loving support of other family members that are going through the same process. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of mm -hmm. things now that are available, but at, at the end of the day, it will always be your sister's personal experience. And no one can right. carve that out but her. She has to carve out how she's going to do that. And with guidance with family and loved ones, it's the best way. But there's there's a lot of things like Bob's book alone is great. There's a lot of mediums on, on Forever Family mm -hmm. that have books. 
but she, she really needs right. to understand it's a process. Mm-hmm. I hope that was helpful to you, John. And yeah. John, just to answer your question, just to answer your question about other resources and stuff like that, uh, other groups, right. there's a ton of them right. out there. Um, I would like to refer you to, uh, well, you obviously know about the Forever Famine Foundation. There's a plethora of resources in there. But do yourself a favor and sign up for the Friday Afterlife reports from Victor Zamet from Australia. Victor what? Victor and Victor. Wendy Zamet. Victor and Wendy Zamet. That's Z-A-M-M-I-T. Okay, go to their website, sign up for the Friday Afterlife reports, and then provide your email every every Thursday because they're in Australia, okay? But every th- every Friday for them, they send out this emailing with all of these links and videos and references and books and just, you know, it, it's it's incredible knowledge. It's it's it'll open up a lot of place and, and you know recommendations for groups and it just has everything to do with the afterlife it's phenomenal the guy's relentless he's been doing this for 20 years and if you know you, you can right. check he's got a, a whole listing of previous issues that were sent out so you can you can definitely you know there's a ton all right so i would highly recommend that so that's z-a-n-n-i-t correct victor and way yes in Australia, so so you're, you're, you feel that she would be able to find other people who do who have the same focus that you do. Uh, I'm sorry, can you repeat that? So you feel that she, if she, she'll be able to find like other retreats or other groups that do something, do the same kinds of things that you're doing in your retreats? The the bottom part of those reports always talk about retreats. A lot of them are local to Australia, but some of them are Mm -hmm. also in in the United States. So, uh, okay. So that's that's a good resource. It is a very good resource. Okay. Thank you very much. I'll tell her to listen to this as soon as it comes out. Uh, It comes out after a couple of days on the web. Yeah, usually two, three days, two, three days and it's out. Okay, good. She she will listen. Thank you very much. You're Thank so you, welcome, John. John. Have a good day. <clears throat> All right. Well, that was you know that was that was an that was a very good call. A lot of questions were brought up, but a lot of questions were answered. So uh, I hope our viewers are or, or our listeners uh, take advantage of this plethora of knowledge that is being shared with them. So let's go to our first uh, question that was emailed in, okay? I'll just uh, read it to you exactly as we got it, and uh, yeah, and just do what you do. So here we go. Do you have any insight on how the other side decides who comes forward during a reading, either an individual session or a group reading? I always want to hear from my son who transitioned last August, but invariably my parents come forward first and eventually my son will show up. Don't get me wrong. I love hearing from my parents, but would prefer to have more information from my son. Thank you. Thank you, Roman, for reading that. This is a very common question. Um, And I've been looking at this in my readings. I do solo readings. I do not do couple readings. The only time I have someone sit in 
as if there's a, a language barrier where they're translating. And um, it's very interesting because for the past year, I have really been watching this to see if there is any sort of trend that I'm noticing. And what I am noticing is there's a lot of, sadly, there's a lot of young people that are passing away. And there's a lot of people that have been involved in addiction. And um, when I do those readings, very oftenly they will um, appear first. And I'm not sure if it's a trend um, or if it's individualized to the person that I'm reading for. Sometimes when I'm realizing after I do a reading, I do a meditation after my readings as well. And I have noticed that either a parent to the person that I'm reading for or a grandparent comes through. And it's interesting how they start out the reading is because they're addressing the person and what the person is currently going through. It's like the other side is aware of what this person and their loss has been. And the trend that I've been seeing is that if I'm reading for a parent, one of their parents that are past may step in and do kind of like an introduction to this recent loss. And it's interesting because sometimes in the reading, the after the person in the afterlife will go back into that person, into their past events that have happened when they were very young. And it's interesting how some things that come out in a reading, the person that's sitting with me is surprised that that came up in the reading or how that item that happened as a child is happening to them in their adult life. So it's very interesting. And I, I can't say that a spirit is being held back. I would never say that. But I do feel that a strong spirit will step forward um, especially if that person has been there on the other side for a longer period of time. But what I'm seeing is that someone will step forward that is coming in in a protective way to say, I know what you're going through right now. And very often that would be apparent to the person that I'm reading that has lost a child. And I don't have statistics on it, but I've been looking at this individually and it's hard to say. I do believe that certain spirits come through in the matter they come through, but it's it's not really the order that matters. It's the information that comes through in the reading, and it's the message, and it's the evidence that, that comes out in the reading that, to me, is really proof of their love and the connection that we have with them. So, the the order is really not the priority. It's It's the information, but I do feel like there are parents on the other side that come through in a very protective way, in a very loving way, um, because they know these parents are in grief. So I hope that answers that question, Roman. Thank um, you again. Absolutely. Yeah, of course. I think, uh, yeah, you've answered a, a question of mine, as a matter of fact, because my, my son transitioned many years ago. And Whenever I go to see a medium, my, 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 my parents are still alive. So it's my grandparents that always come through, <laughs> especially yeah. my grandmother on my mother's. She's always coming through. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, we have, um, we have another, uh, uh, we have another call in. Um, would you like to take another call? Okay, great. Thank you. Okay, great. We have Ellen from Maryland on line two. 
Ellen from Maryland, welcome to the show. Hi. How are you? Thank you so much. You are so welcome. Thank you. Yeah, well, I just have, uh, well, I'm a Roman Catholic, and I don't believe I should be talking to to you, but... um, No, my... I wanted to know, uh, I know I've seen on your website that you offer psychic and medium uh, services. So if I just get a psychic service, does... Would it be possible that um, the medium part of you comes through? So, um, Ellen, thank you very much for calling in tonight. Um, The reason why I separate the services is particularly exactly how you introduced yourself. I get a lot of people that say, due to my religion, I'm not sure if I should do mediumship or due to, (laughs) you know, and I get that very often, you know, you're, you're not alone, okay? Um, and, but they're two different complete services. Okay. And even though someone books a reading with me before I start any reading, I explain to them, what did you book? You know, and, uh, do you know what this is? And sometimes people book a mediumship reading when they think it's a psychic reading. They're not completely sure. So I just make it very, very clear that if someone books a psychic reading, they may have a career question, a family question, a relocation question. Um, They may have those questions. Sometimes someone is just curious. They've never had any kind of reading. So they book a psychic reading to see how that goes. And a psychic reading with me covers the past, the present, and the future. And I'll work off of a timeline and I'll give someone dates and names and I'll, you know, that's how I work. Everyone works completely different. If someone books a mediumship reading, they're very, very clear that I will be communicating with family and friends on the other side. And that information that is coming from the other side is about their family, about their life and about the person that I'm reading for. And that comes through with messages, okay? And mediumship is completely different than psychic. So if someone wants a combination reading, I do that too. But when I'm giving the information, I will say to the person I'm reading, this information is psychic. And I tell them about their career or I tell them about their relocation. If I mention and validate something of a loved one, that's mediumship. So I I say very often, which is very, very clear, is someone will say to me, does my mother want me to sell the house? And that is not something that the other side is worried about, right? Because they're passed on. So we get our guidance from ourselves, okay? So the other side is never going to tell you what to do. Okay, they may be aware it may it may come up in a reading that there's an awareness that there's changes in the family. There's an awareness that people have moved around since the past. That's an awareness, but they're never going to tell you what to do. Okay, and that piece of it is important because when you're gone, your personal possessions, your property, all of that no longer means anything to you, right? Now, sometimes in a reading, it'll come up that, you know, um, you got somebody left something, and it'll come up in a reading in a particular way, but it's an awareness that 
the services went well, or it's an awareness that somebody did receive what was left for them. It's an awareness, but they're never going to tell us what to do. Okay. And that piece of it is important. Okay. And that's why I think getting, and like I said earlier with the caller, John, is that with any passing, there's, there's the grief process and it's not just getting a reading that's going to make things all better again. It's a process. It's reading a book. It's watching a movie. It's sitting with a therapist. It's sitting with friends and family. It's looking at photographs. It's a process. And, and sitting with a medium or getting a reading should not be the only thing that brings someone closure. And, and I think okay. all of us in the Forever Family Foundation feel that way. But I do appreciate your comment about the Roman Catholic. And I brought it up earlier in the call that my, I grew up with my dad. And he was really, yeah. really involved with that. So I appreciate yeah. that and I understand that. Okay? Thank you so yeah. much, Alan. Well, Thank thanks you for so call. much. Okay, Catherine. Thank day. you. Yeah. Bye. Bye-bye. <clears throat> Yeah, that was uh, that was an interesting question, and that brings up you know what you know the the differences between and and I think you just explained it very well the differences between a psychic reading and a mediumship mediumship reading, um, and they're you know they are two totally different things. And isn't there a saying that all mediums are psychics, but not all psychics are mediums? Correct, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. that is correct. Yes, and, and that's that's one thing, Roman. That's one thing, Roman. That when you go to Arthur Finley, they really parse that out very well, mm-hmm. um, because they're very strict there at that school, and they they want to see how you deliver those messages. And there's kind of pointed items that they're looking to hear, and it's got to be evidential, just like in the Forever Family Foundation. It has to fit that family member. It can't be just general information. And I think that piece of it is really what brings, um, you know, family members, you know, a little closer to the closure is to know that their family members are okay. Fantastic. So I noticed on your website um, that you do coffee readings. Tell us a bit about that. Yes. Yeah. In my later teens, um, I would sit around and look into coffee cups it's very entertaining. It's not a gift that a lot of people can do. Uh-huh. Um, I read Italian and Turkish coffee. Um, before the pandemic, I had a lot of people asking me to do coffee readings out in the public. We would, you know, have a fair or there'd be a party or whatever. And it's interesting because it's very helpful to someone who's not sure where they have their belief. They're not really sure they believe in a psychic greeting. They're not really sure they believe in a psychic. They're not really sure. So if they get the coffee reading and they drink the coffee and they see the images, sometimes they're just astounded, like they cannot believe it. And in my first book, Sing More Than Clouds in Your Coffee, I have photographs of the coffee. I have photographs on my website and it tells a story. So just the coffee cup alone can't give you a reading. You have to have a combination of what I have. I'm clairvoyant, I'm, you know, clairaudient, but also I have the images in the cup. And it's pretty amazing. There's a process to it. You know, you have to turn the cup around and you have to turn it over. And I've trained some of my friends in the music business. They'll be on tour 
and they'll be sending me pictures of their cup while they're on tour, you know, <laughs> and I, and I text them back what it is, you know, because they're constantly changing on tour. So they want to have a heads up, but, um, but it's fun. It's a, it's, it's an interesting thing because it's cultural. So if I go to a Greek restaurant, probably seven out of 10 times, the waitress will come over and say, do you mind if you do my cop on the side? You know, um, many cultures do this. Yeah. yeah. So Greek, Albanian, but many of the cultures actually won't read for each other. So they want to be read from someone outside of their culture. So that's one thing I did find when I have coffee in the restaurants that the waitress will be tugging on my sleeve saying, can I do mine? So it's, it's a lot of fun, but again, it's, it's usually lighthearted and, uh, you know, kind yeah, of interesting. It sounds really like a lot of fun. Step one, drink coffee. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, well, Roman, you wouldn't believe it because a lot of people think that the coffee is very bitter. And uh, so I tell them to add sugar. You know, they can add sugar. So even if you have espresso, which is Italian coffee, yep. the, the sugar actually forms formations in the cup so i read the sugar as well oh fantastic yeah, yeah it sounds it's interesting. Like a lot of fun is that is that the same experience as like reading tea leaves kind of thing is it the same right. yeah it's very very similar okay. very similar i have two friends in salem that wrote a book and they wrote a book on reading tea leaves and it's very similar but i like the coffee because the coffee actually forms like printed pictures on the side of the cup it's, it's pretty amazing Huh, very cool. So, hey, tell us about your second book. Just give us some insight into yeah. it. Yeah. So, I'm I'm very I'm very excited. It's going to be probably out by the fall, but um this book was derived from a lot of clients that follow me. I had many people over the past couple of years say, "When are you going to write another book?" But we want to know more about you. Who are you? How have you lived your life? How have you been able to live your life with this psychic ability? Because I'm a nurse full time. I was in the military for 30 years. Mm -hmm. You know, I went to Iraq. I went to Jordan. I went to places. And you don't leave your psychic abilities home. You don't leave your mediumship abilities home. You take them with you. And this book kind of starts out when I'm in my teenage years, but it kind of walks the reader through different events that I went through in my life. And I've been very influenced by a lot of friends in the music business. So they, they're mentioned as well. There's songs that are mentioned as well. The artist that does the artwork for Metallica album covers is doing all the artwork for the front and back cover. So that is really amazing. It's called, um, and she danced by the light of the moon. And That's it's the a, name of the book. Yeah. And it's wow. so creative. Oh, um, it shows, you know, dancing with cats at my feet. It's really terrific. And, um, I had a lot of losses, personal losses in the past year. And in my first book, I featured, uh, Frank Pellet and his sister, Carolyn Pellet. They were the owners of The Chance, which is a rock and roll club in Poughkeepsie, New York. Historic. I mean, like, you know, many bands went through there, right. including Aerosmith. All of the gamut has been there. Okay. And uh, last year, they had been closed because of the pandemic. 
And the week that the chance was opening, Frank took ill. And they had the opening on a Saturday. And he went into the hospital just before Saturday. And he never left. He had a medical complication and he passed away. He was 51 and he left two small children and a beautiful wife. And the whole community was in shock. And then a couple of months later, Sister Carolyn, who I was very close to, we used to call each other girly. She came down with COVID and she passed away and she was 47 and she left two young boys. And uh, the whole music community has been in shock. And they were featured in my first book. So in the second book, they will be featured again. But the music community was really rocked hard by the passing of them, not just because they were who they were and the club was the way the club was, but they were young. We've lost so many people in the past two years, pandemic or not pandemic related. It's really heartbreaking. Yeah. And, and, and that's what's, that's what's happening in the world. So this book, even though it kind of walks you through parts of my life, it brings you on a journey that reflects many aspects of your life because we're all human. We all go through very similar heartbreaking heartbreaks and, Mm -hmm. you know, disappointments and, you know, rejoices and different things that happen to us. It's part of living the life we live and it's part of being human. And this book, if I were to kind of wrap it up into one word, it's it's very human-like. You know, it really expresses the soul of being alive in the world that we live today. And I, re- I really can't wait until it gets out there because there's a whole chapter on COVID that I think people really need to have something to kind of re- reread that piece. Because here in the New York City area, we got hit very hard with COVID. Mm-hmm. And uh, some people didn't have that. Some parts of the country didn't have it. But that chapter on COVID was really hard to write. And uh, to be honest, it'll be really hard for people to read. But it's part of history now, Roman. I mean, it's amazing that people, you know, my grandfather who came from Spain um, went through the Spanish flu. And my aunt told me that my grandfather had to bury his mother and his sister. And back in Spain, they had to carry them to a particular area. So, I mean, we're talking like a long time ago. And we had, you know, we had this high toll numbers with COVID. So it's pretty amazing what we've all been through. I think people really need to, to kind of take a breath, don't you think? Absolutely. And, you know, the threat of COVID, I don't think it's ever going away. I think it's mutating and becoming more contagious, but at the same time, becoming less severe in terms of the symptoms. Uh, But it's always going to be there. And who knows how people will react to it. You know, I mean, I'm I'm pro uh, science in terms of, you know, getting shots and boosters and all that. So I think, you know, anything like that can help. And, and if you do get it, heaven forbid, it, it can be a, a less bad experience. But um, I, th- that's, that's wonderful that you wrote about that. And uh, I think you can definitely bring it, you know, bring it to a, a, an understandable, a, a, 
experience for everybody. I mean, we're all in it. We're all in this place called Earth together. That's right. Yeah. Whatever you can do to make uh, to to bring some understanding to that and to the experience of losing people would is definitely a positive thing. So great, good for you. Thank you yeah. so much. It's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting, Roman, because I've you know done readings for people that have lost people with COVID, and COVID comes through very differently. You know, when they show me how they pass, it's come through very differently. And for a couple of um, times in a reading, um, it came through as respiratory, very heavy heaviness in the chest. A lot of like, I feel like I'm full in the chest. I get actually like physical feelings when I do my readings. But there was a couple of readings that I did where the person made me feel like they were hit with something. I mean, literally like hit with a trauma. And I kept, because I repeat whatever I hear or whatever I see. And in two readings, I was very, very strong about that, that I, I was convinced it was a trauma. And literally, the, when I, at the end of the reading, you know, I always do like a little bit of feedback with the client, like, you know, and in those readings, they said, you're right. They were just hit with it. Like they didn't even know they were sick and they had COVID and they were in the hospital the next day or this happened and then that happened. And, you know, so it yeah. takes on a different way. And that's why that piece of it, COVID is very, very different in a reading because it will be expressed almost as if how the person felt it happening. So, you know, that's why we try to be as accurate as possible. But a lot of times it's interpretation of that. And we try to be the best we can be at that interpretation of that. Right. But yeah, it's really a trauma. That that illness is more than just an illness. It's like a trauma to the body. It affects so many of the systems, you know? <laughs> oh, fantastic. I mean, I mean, I'm so glad that you that you addressed that in your book. So uh another question that I can read to you is uh this writer says, some books that I have read um let me read this again some books that i have read about spirit tell us that there is no actual pain at the time of death that our spirit is actually whisked away right before the final blow what do you make of that well i find that an interesting question um i don't know what book and 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 i when I do readings, I only have information from my experience. I can't reference another author or another book or many, many times in a reading, I will hear a spirit say, I was here and then I was there. Literally, like their passing was like in a split second, like it was that quick. And other times when I do a reading, I get that the illness has been prolonged somehow. So I'm either being shown treatment modalities like chemotherapy, radiation. Um, and sometimes it's like a bit of a roller coaster for what people go through. And um, as a nurse um, for over 30 years, sometimes I see things medically that I can explain in more detail. If someone is on an IV, I could see an IV. There's certain things that I see, but I don't know how to explain the pain question 
um, there are traumas, and I've done some readings with that have been involved in a crime scene, and I can't say that the person does not experience pain while they're here, but they do not experience pain when they get to the other side. Right. And I think that piece of it is the important part of the question, because a lot of clients say to me, is my father still in pain? My father was on morphine. My father was crying. My father was, they remember the last things they remember seeing. Right. And the important part of her question or his question is on the other side, there is no pain. And that's because we no longer have our vehicle, which is our body. So I think that's really the important part. And it's very hard, especially like I worked in oncology for years. When you see someone that goes through a very chronic illness or goes through a very difficult cancer, you Mm. have those memories of someone struggling. But the important part is to know that that happened to their physical body and it's their soul that has transitioned on. So I think that's the only way I could really touch on that question. I hope I was clear enough. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, what you spoke is, the honest truth as, as you see it, you know what I mean? Um, I, I, I remember reading books where it was a, oh, this was years ago. I read this book where this guy was narrating through a medium in the afterlife. And it it wasn't the Anthony Borgia book. It was a, a newer book where this guy died from a head on collision in a motorcycle accident. And in that book, if I recall correctly, he was saying that, yeah, one, one second he's on a motorcycle and next second he's in the afterlife and he mm-hmm. experienced no pain whatsoever when, when the bus hit him or whatever, you know? Yeah. So. I think, I think what you bring up Roman is very interesting because I tell a lot of clients about Dolores Cannon. Are you familiar with her? Actually, I, I am not with Dolores Cannon. So her name is Dolores Cannon. Oh, and Dolores. Yeah. And in the 1960s, she and her husband were an active duty military family and they were therapists and they were going through hypnotherapy with their clients, having them stop smoking, overeating, whatever their issues were. And her husband actually had an accident and they stopped doing this therapy. But before he had the accident, she started to realize that when she had these clients hypnotized, they started to speak about a different life, a past life that they had had. Oh, yeah. yeah. Amazing. But she recorded a lot of this stuff. When she went through taking care of him, after she went through all of that taking care of him, she wrote a book and it's called Life After Death. And if you go on to YouTube, I've been telling my clients, you can see her. I mean, she's now passed on her daughter has kind of taken the reins of spreading this word. But when they talk in past life regression, sometimes they talk about how their life ended, you know, what happened to them? Why are they in this life? Certain things like that. And it's very, very interesting to know that this woman stumbled on that in the 60s when no one was talking past life regression. Now, I was very fortunate many years ago, I was with Suzanne Northrup 
we got to meet Dr. Raymond Moody. She knew him very, very well. He mm -hmm. was another one that was a pioneer on past life regression. So, um, and Brian Weiss, of course, you know, but um, I think that that might be helpful for the clients, especially if the clients are not aware of all the things that are happening. And when you, when you go onto YouTube and you, you hear people talk about the surgery that they had and that they left their body, you know, for several minutes, or they started to go down the tunnel and they turned back. They could tell you what the doctors were talking about in the operating room. Like it's phenomenal, the information. So that I think that's important, you know, to, to have a little bit of knowledge about a lot of different things, especially when there's so many unknowns. Right. Right. Absolutely. There's, you brought up some good points, especially about the, uh, um, the out-of-body experiences that people, uh, because a lot more people are being resuscitated these days um, because of medical advancements and all that. We're able to pull them back from the brink of death and they're telling us experiences of what they've seen um, in the operating room and conversations that were taking place. And, you know, there's that famous shoe on the windowsill by that Maria lady that is like the world famous case of being out of the body. Um, I forgot what, I, I just know her name was Maria and uh, there's just so many facets to this, um, this, this science that, you know, proves that consciousness survives physical death. There are just so many ways to look at it. So many different ways. Mediumship is just, you know, one of many ways. Yes. Yeah, yeah I agree. Sure. Sure. So, Hey, on, on the flip side of that coin, are you ever confronted by, you know, hard-nosed materialist non-believers. Like, how, how would you deal with them? Yes. So I, I welcome skeptics. Mm -hmm. uh, since I was a young child and this stuff started happening to me, I was actually a skeptic. I, you know, I, I welcome skeptics. The thing is, is like I said earlier, it's got to be your personal experience. When I was very young in my teenage years, my mother died suddenly and it was a shock. I mean, she was a bad alcoholic, but no one thought she was going to pass away. And we were living in Yonkers and uh, someone, you know, in our high school said, oh, there's a lady, you know, she, she, she's a, she does readings at her house. And I said, oh, wow, well, you think she could talk to my mother? You know, we were kind of like, you know, in a little bit of a way, like, you know, in disbelief, like, you know, is it really going to happen? So I went to this woman's home and she had a card table in her bedroom. And this woman didn't just communicate with my mother, but she actually gave me the blueprints to the home that we lived in. And the home was where my mother had collapsed. And I left that place and I was really in shock. She had said things about my dad that nobody knew. She had said things about my mom that nobody knew. And walking around the house and <laughs> in her mind, and she was telling me where things were lined up in the home, you know. I remember walking out, like literally walking out down her pathway. And I was thinking, wow, that's incredible. Like, Either she has a camera that's been following me around for the past week, you know, and I was like, she didn't even know I was coming, you know, like somebody made the phone call, made the appointment for me, you know, yep. and whenever I have a skeptic, I literally put myself 
in Francine's bedroom in Yonkers all over again, more than 30 something years ago. And that's how I was. How do you know this? Why do you know this? How could you know this? Like, what trickery are you doing? And that's kind of the way it's looked at by a skeptic. Like, how could anyone have this info? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I welcome that because I was there myself. But I got through that very quickly because I wanted to believe. I wanted to know my mom was okay. Yeah. Well, the thing is, you know, you got to be open-minded. You can be all the skeptic you want, but it's good to keep an open mind because if you're, you, you know, closed-minded skeptics, you could present them with all the evidence in the world, okay, to, 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 until their face turns blue. But they won't, they won't buy it because there's got to be a trick. There's got to be something, that, you know, and they just, they will not, and they will not benefit from it. Simple as that. That is correct. That's right. And I actually touch on a chapter in my book about magic. When I was younger, my grandfather was from Spain. He didn't speak a lot of English. And the way that he was able to play with us was to do magic tricks. They were rope tricks or card tricks. <clears throat> and my father kind of was fascinated by this. But years later, he went to work for the Reader's Digest magazine. And they came out with an article about Houdini. And my father really, really followed Houdini's life. He remembered, you know, a lot of that when it was happening. And I touch on that magic in the new book. That's that in the new book. Okay, great. Well, you know what, Kathy? This has been the quickest hour ever. I mean, look at that. It's it's almost nine o'clock. It's time to say goodbye, unfortunately. Well, so, thank you for having me. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for you know for coming on the show and for enlightening our audience and uh, you know, especially uh, you know, John's sister from Washington. My heart goes out to her. Uh, I you know, I or you know, I know firsthand how that feels, unfortunately. And uh, I'm sure that you know, we can definitely, I, I hope we helped her. That's bottom line. Yeah. So again, thank you for coming on the show. And thank you uh, again. I hope to speak to you soon and maybe see you at the festival in Yonkers on the 25th. Yes, I will be there. Ukrainian, <laughs> support Ukraine. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that is, yeah, I'm going to be there performing. So uh, hopefully you can, uh, you know, Come look for me, okay? Just make sure you find me. I, I, I want to give you a hug. I will. Very <laughs> good. All right. All right Have everybody. a good night. Thank you, Thank you everyone. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.